while we definitely want to open up private markets as an asset class to a broader audience, you have to do that very thoughtfully and carefully. That's Thomas Eskebeck, CEO of Titan Bay, a private investment platform for sophisticated investors who may have little to no experience in private equity. Today on the show, Thomas will explain how his clients navigate the white space of private equity investing for the first time. It is a fairly complicated asset class, private markets and private equity. Where Tyson Bay is coming from is an angle that says, yes, absolutely, private markets is very, very exciting, but you need to approach it thoughtfully. You need to approach it with a strategy in mind. You need to approach it with diversification in mind. We'll also consider what this means for the private equity industry writ large as it seeks to expand to smaller investors, which is a very large and very attractive pool of capital. But there's a challenge there, and the challenge is that most wealth advisors are actually not set up to market private assets effectively. So while we think this motion into smaller investors really is like a locomotive going down the tracks, it is a real trend and it is absolutely happening. And it does not mean it's easy. And it does not mean there are not challenges that the industry needs to overcome in order to make this all that it could be as an efficient and effective investment mechanism. I'm Hugh MacArthur, head of Bain's global private equity practice. And this is Dry Powder. So a lot of what we're seeing in the industry, Thomas, is this push toward democratization of access to private markets. What exactly is that to you? And describe for me what Titan Bay actually does. Sure. It's an interesting space we're in, especially a lot of the very large asset managers are moving rapidly, tapping into this pool of capital that everyone finds very exciting. And while we we definitely want to open up private markets as an investment, as an asset class to a broader audience, you have to do that very thoughtfully and carefully. So our approach is almost the inverse of the large asset managers in the sense that our purpose is to work with the end investors and their advisors, so the private banks and the wealth managers, give them the opportunity and the tools they need to make thoughtful investment decisions and build thoughtful portfolios and investment strategies so that they can benefit from this asset class. So for us, it's less about tapping into a pool of capital, as some would say, it's more about giving great investment opportunities to a new group of investors. Exactly what level of sophistication do you expect from these investors and which investors might not make the cut to be on tight bank? So our primary focus is family offices and small institutional investors who understand and appreciate the asset class, but don't necessarily have the scale to really build a diversified portfolio through their own direct investments. And we solve this problem by giving them the access to some best funds in the world with small minimum ticket sizes and a highly automated process, which makes the investment process much simpler and therefore actually manageable for these small organizations. In addition to that, we do work with individual investors, for example, high net worth individuals. But for this segment, we generally work with private banks and wealth managers and give them the tools and the knowledge and the information to engage with their clients, to give them access to top tier private markets in a thoughtful manner. This is also why we feel that democratization is probably a little bit of a misnomer in the sense that it's not necessarily for everyone. So let's actually place our listeners then in the shoes of one of your target investors or target clients. Mm -hmm. How much do they actually know about the private equity space going in? Yeah. So we find that for the individual investors that we work through, through the private banks and the wealth managers, they tend to have a background either from investing experience or senior executives or something with some sort of finance experience. They don't necessarily have a lot of knowledge of private markets going in. And that's part of what we bring to the table, both through the, the partners that we work with the private banks and the, and the wealth managers, but also through the material that we make available through the platform. 
it is a fairly complicated asset class, private markets and private equity. And that's why we feel that for the individuals in particular who don't necessarily have the time to really focus in and, and learn all by themselves through the advisors, the private banks, the wealth managers, we believe that they can get the advice to help them build that diversified portfolio. One of the challenges, I think, in having individuals or smaller investors put together private portfolios is that they've obviously never done it before. A lot of the investment firms are not household names like big public companies are that they may have heard of before. So actually figuring out how to do that in an actively managed asset class like private equity from, let's say, not a standing start, but close to a standing start is where most people are. That's not that easy. And, And so how do I actually know with confidence that I'm putting together a well-rounded, diversified portfolio of high-quality opportunities that's right for me. Yeah. The fact that you as an investor get to the recognition that you need a diversified portfolio is really, really important. And that's almost the first step. Everyone will have heard of some of the household names out there and, and will have heard of someone who invested in XYZ fund. But in reality, the first step is to understand the illiquid nature of the asset class and understand the J curve, i.e. that you're, you're committing today, then you're making payments over the next uh, next few days. So you have cash outflows and then you start seeing inflows after that. And at some point you break even and then you start getting returns on your money. So understanding that underlying J curve and understanding the longevity or the, the illiquid nature and the fact that you should expect to be, be committed for a long period of time. That's step number one. Then step number two is obviously about the diversification point and thinking about how do you build this diversified portfolio and how do you build a portfolio that is net positive so that you get to the point where you're making new commitments, but those new commitments are coming out of the returns from the money you've already invested. And then with all of that information and knowledge, you can then start making informed investment decisions. You've certainly made a compelling case, Thomas, for why smaller investors should be considering private equity and private markets as a meaningful part of their portfolio. But if I turn the lens around, What problem are you solving for GPs and how are you working with them and with wealth managers so that they're actually wanting to come to you to actually give you that access so you can help smaller investors? Mm -hmm. So I think we we have to distinguish between the private banks and the wealth managers and the, the GPs. The private banks and the wealth managers are almost inherently there to service the individual investors and support them. And that's a very straightforward proposition in the sense that we give them another tool and, and give them this new asset class that they can that they can work with their clients on. If we then look at the GPs, what we find is they recognize that the institutional segment is finite and that growth is probably going to come outside of the institutional space. At the same time, there has been a trend, it might have abated a bit now, but there has been a trend that some of the larger institutional investors have consolidated towards fewer commitments and fewer funds. And that conversely means that as a GP, uh, you need to make sure that you diversify your investor base so you uh, reduce dependence on a few funds. These factors combined actually make it quite interesting for the GPs to have a way to access this new pool of capital because it's not competitive, it's not cannibalizing the existing efforts, it is additional. So it's a good way and good opportunity for them to grow into a new pool of capital. And I think that's what you are seeing in the announcements from the very large asset managers and how they're building up their own retail capabilities. As your clients grow more acquainted with you and understand the platform better and utilize it more, are you seeing signs of more demand for more private assets or how, do, how does it work? How are people sort of accessing or requesting different types of opportunities once they get to know Titan Bay a little better? Yeah, I think at a high level, 
investors who start investing in private markets have an idea that they want to build a private markets portfolio. When they start engaging with us, generally we have a series of tools that helps you design what you want your portfolio to look like, both in terms of how much are you expecting to allocate over the next three, four years? What kind of strategies would you like to have in your portfolio? All of these things are, are built into the platform. So as you start putting in that data, the platform can then help to tell you saying, well, here are the opportunities that fit into that. Generally, what we encourage is we believe that in order to build a diversified portfolio, it's not just one or two funds. It's not just uh, something you can talk about at a cocktail party. It's very much about building that diversified portfolio and really being thoughtful about which funds you include in your portfolio and which strategies do they cover. So ultimately, Thomas, what do you think the total addressable market is for Titan Bay and platforms like it? I think it's very large. There was a report that came out about two years ago now. They were estimating that private equity at the time was about $5 trillion, and they were expecting that to double to about $10 trillion by 2025, with a lot of that coming from the private wealth channels of smaller investors, essentially. So we see it as a huge opportunity, as a, as a huge market. And I think it will only grow as more and more investors see this asset class as something they should have as part of their portfolio. Absolutely. I think those numbers are private equity buyout numbers as well. If you include other types of private asset classes, I think we're already at something like 12 or $14 trillion and simply and, and only going north from there. So yeah. it is a, it's a huge space, no, no doubt about it, and a very complex yeah. space. Yeah. On the next episode of Dry Powder, Thomas and I will discuss whether private investing platforms could enable private equity houses to finally make inroads into retail capital or small individual capital which has eluded the industry for decades. I think a big part of it is also showing the regulators that this can be done in a responsible way, in a way that is in line with the investor's interest and not just about selling stuff, but actually giving the investors real opportunities for real returns. I'm Hugh MacArthur. Thank you for listening.